0: All right, if you turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this is Paul's first letter as a part of that when he went on one of his missionary journeys, and so here he is, we're coming to the end of his first letter to them, there is a book, of course, 2 Thessalonians, so picture Paul as he's writing to these people, he knows these people, and he's concerned about them, but... Part of the Bible. It's not just a letter that he wrote. Yes, he wrote a letter. I don't think he used a pen like this, but he wrote a letter. But it was more than just a letter because we believe that the Spirit of God led him to what he did write, and God has preserved it for us today. So it's not just a letter; it's the Bible, the Word of God, and we it's preserved for us tonight. So you know what? Even though we're not from Thessalonica, anybody here from Thessalonica? I didn't think so. It's still God's Word. It's still for us. And so, I want you to look down in verse 16. I'm going to read these few verses, and we'll talk about this a little bit tonight. As he's writing to these people and also to us, he gives them some directives. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning of verse 16 through verse 22. Paul said, under Holy Spirit inspiration, Rejoice evermore. He's telling them things to do. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesyings. prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. Now look at verse 18 again. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, remember, as Paul is writing to these people, they knew each other. Like you would get a letter from somebody you know. So they knew him firsthand. I'm sure they heard his preaching. They knew him as a person. And so when Paul was writing this particular verse in this passage, verse 18... He is relating to them, and they knew what Paul had went through. I'm sure he told them some stories. Every preacher tells stories when he was in jail and all the problems, and he had a lot of problems, of course. And so Paul, so the point is that Paul had credence or credibility with these people because they knew what he went through. They knew his life, and so when he said in verse 18, even though he wrote it humanly. He said, in everything give thanks. Now notice he didn't say, for everything give thanks. It's hard enough in everything to give thanks, (laughs) much less for everything. He says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So Paul identified with the people. Paul said he was a man, and he was a man. He experienced things. And there are many in the scripture examples of problems he had. For example, in Acts 16, just one example. In Acts 16, he was in jail with Silas. And at midnight, the Bible says they sang praises to God, which is another way of giving thanks. Now, I don't, I don't know. I don't think, and I include myself, I don't think anybody here tonight, it, if, you're in, if you're in the Stark County jail, I don't think at midnight you're going to be singing praises to God. Now, you might be, I don't say you wouldn't, but I don't I think I'd be probably sleeping to start with. How did Paul do that? I mean, this is we read it, it again, it's the Bible. It really happened to him. How did he do that? Because he said in another place, I have learned whatsoever state I am in to be content. He didn't mean State of the Union. We, the United States was not around back then. In other words, what condition he was in his circumstances, his situations. Paul said he learned it. In other words, it wasn't automatic. I wish it was automatic when you got saved. But it's not. You have to learn it. And you have to learn it yourself. And you don't get it necessarily out of a book. You get it from life experiences and certainly believe in this book. So Paul, when he's writing this, he's writing as a man of experience. In everything he thinks. That's why he could sing praises at midnight. Because he had learned... To be content in the worst state he's in, he hears in jail in Acts 16. By the way, you may know the story. What was the result of him singing praise at midnight? The condensed version is that jailer and his wife got saved. Now, I don't know this either. The Bible doesn't say, do you think anybody in that jail was at midnight singing praises and thanking God? The Bible doesn't say, but I'm going to say, I don't think so. So the jailer picked up on it, and the jailer and his whole family was saved, and they were baptized, and then he went to their house to have supper. What a deal. Now, I wonder if Paul hadn't have done what he did him and Silas. Would that have happened? You see, we need to be reminded, people are watching us, and they're listening to us. Now, sometimes they're too judgmental. And they're too critical. I mean, you say one little word or one little thing wrong, you know, at work, you're, you're bad. Sometimes they're unfair. But people are watching you and me. And I think they were, the jailer also, and maybe some of the other people in the jail were watching Paul. He lived this verse and everything he thinks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In his case, it was God's will for him to be in the jail of them. That was God's will for him. But he said, this is God's will concerning you people in this church at Thessalonica. And for our application to us in Anchor Baptist Church, that's God's will for you and everything give thanks. Now, he didn't say, in parentheses, it's real easy. Matter of fact, it's very hard, if you're honest. And I think sometimes, present company accepted. Too many people, even Christian people, watch Christian television they think their life's supposed to be just one great time. No problems, no difficulties, no sickness, no financial problems, no car wrecks. No first break into January. That's not reality. Think of Paul's life. What a trouble from, from his ministry point of view. What a difficult time he had. But He said, in everything, give thanks. Oh, isn't that convicting to think about it? <laughs> now, because Paul had credibility with the people, they knew he meant what he said, and they even experienced it. You know, it's always good when you and I go through things, people are watching us, and maybe we would have the influence like Paul did. Now, I don't want you to be in jail. But the principle's the same. And maybe people watching you and me might cause them to want to be saved in their family too. So maybe if we don't act that way and we don't do this, what Paul said, they won't be saved. They're still gonna watch you, they're still gonna listen. So Paul had credibility. And so you'll have credibility when you be a witness. People say, What's wrong with you? Why, why are you why how are you getting through this? Why are you so happy or whatever? Well, the answer is Christ. Good opportunity. People, we worry about opportunities to witness and try to bring it. it's hard to bring it up sometimes. You don't just walk up to somebody and said, Don't do this. Are you going to go to hell if you die? That's not the right approach. You might get decked. Now, it's a fair question, but it needs to be after a period of time. The point is, Paul had this credibility, so it was real to Paul. So when he wrote it, he knew in his own heart and life. So credibility helps with Paul to these people, helps with us tonight, helps with you, with others. You know, it's kind of like the opposite of a Catholic priest telling you to have a wife and a family. You think he's got any credibility with that issue, with that subject? You are all look at it like you're, they don't get married. They don't have children. So how in the world's he going to preach about it with credibility? You say, well, he can preach the Bible. I understand that. But you know what? We're human beings, unfortunately. And we put stock in what somebody says if they've done it. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's what we do. So they were putting stock in what Paul said, I believe, and so we should tonight. A hundred years ago, there was a a famous writer. None of us were around, but you've probably heard his name because it's a weird name. Rudyard Kipling. What happened to Joe Smith? (laughs) Rudyard Kipling was one of the best-selling authors years ago, and later in his life, someone calculated how much he got per word. Now, remember, this was about 100 years ago. And so they figured that he got paid $100 a word. What a country, huh? And so anyway, so one day, a crazy reporter, kind of like some of the ones we have today asking stupid questions, said to him, hey, I've got a $100 bill. Could you give me one word of importance and value? You know what he said? Thanks. He said, that is a valuable word. Now, Thanksgiving didn't start as a holiday that kicks off the Christmas shopping season, although it does. <laughs> it didn't originate with the pilgrims having a feast. And thanks to God for giving the abundant harvest and the safety from the Indians and arriving in the new world. It didn't begin with President George Washington issuing a proclamation that we should be thankful. And I think it was Abraham Lincoln the one that made it official the fourth Thursday of November. So it wasn't, that was the 1860s. It didn't start with those guys. It started long before that. It began with God. And it's an attribute that should be present in the lives of all of God's children. If you know Him as personal Savior, you're His child. So that should be present with all of us. Is it with you? I read about a five year old boy who was asked to pray at Thanksgiving, which is kind of dangerous. So the little boy, I think he was, he started praying, you know. At first, he thanked, he began this long prayer. And he thanked, he was thankful for the turkey, and he thanked the, for the farmer who made the turkey, or who grew the turkey, I should say. Then he was thankful for the farmer who fed the turkey every day. Then he thanked, he was thankful for the person who brought the turkey to the store, for the guy that put it on the shelf, for his dad that paid for it, for his mom that cooked it. And then he kind of paused, And his little brother, younger than him, he was only five, this boy praying. He said, did you leave anybody out? He goes, his little brother said, you left God out. He said, I was getting to that. (laughs) Isn't that kind of like us sometimes? We don't mean to We leave God out. That's where thanks begins. It's interesting to note that of the seven instructions that we just read in this few verses, only one of these seven comes with an explanation all the rest stand is simple imperatives, or we might say commands or directives to do. But the instruction to give thanks provides motivation. He says it's God's will for us to be thankful people. Yes, I know it's July, but it's something we need to think about. It's God's will for us to be thankful people. This is not only true during the good times, but also the bad times. So in everything give thanks, it's easy to give thanks when things are going good. When they're not going so good, it's harder. We're human beings, aren't we? (laughs) Thankfulness is the Lord's will. That's why it's so hard for us to express our gratitude sometimes. Some people say they don't have much to be thankful for. But if they honestly stop and think a minute in their situation... They can find plenty of things to be thankful for, regardless of how difficult their present circumstances may be. By the way, we have to do it for ourselves. Why did Paul write to these people? He couldn't do it for them. He could do it for himself. And you have to do it. The preacher can't do it for you. No one else, your wife can't do it for you. Your husband can't do it for you. You have to do it yourself. And let me say it this way, we need to force ourselves to do it. Because the end result's good. Do we? Now let me think a minute about some hindrances to thanks and thanksgiving. The first thing that keeps us from being thankful, I think, and I'm only going to give a few because we do want to get out of church tonight. Even though I can't see that clock very good, but I could see my own watch. The first thing that keeps us or hinders us from being thankful is Sin. I've never known a person who was intentionally remaining in sin who was also thankful. Think about it. The scripture says that our iniquities separate us from God, Isaiah 59, verse 2. I've seen plenty of unsaved who were enjoying the short-term pleasures of sin. The Bible says there is pleasures in sin for a season. I've seen them, like you have, ride the rush of getting away with it So they thought for a brief time, but I've never seen them be happy and thankful. Sin can make you defensive, as it did with King Saul when he was confronted by Samuel after Saul had failed to utterly destroy the Amalekites, which God told him to do. And he didn't do it. And he even lied to the preacher. The preacher was preaching, well, what means the bleeding of the sheep then? i bet his face turned red. (laughs) He failed to destroy them, so sin can make you defiant also as it did with Pharaoh, who hardened his heart against Moses' demands to let the children of Israel go. Sin can also leave you depressed. We hear much about depression today. I think a lot of it is sin, to tell you the truth. And the unsafe person, I don't know how they get up in the morning. I want to say that kindly and compassionately. How do they even get up and function? It leaves you depressed, as it did with Peter after he denied the Lord. He was depressed. He denied the Lord three times. We know that. Sin can make you doubt, as it did with Sarah. When she laughed when the preacher said, you're going to have a child. Now, admittedly, if you were 90 years old, nobody in here is that old. Ladies, if you were 90 years old, and after church, I said, do you know what? You're going to have a baby. You would probably hit me. I wouldn't blame you. So what she did, she laughed. And do you know, unfortunately, the name of their son, Isaac, means he laugheth. Can you imagine his first day at school? Where'd you get your name? So she laughed at God's promise. Sin can also leave you distressed, as it did with David, who suffered greatly for covering his sin with Bathsheba. But sin will never make you thankful. Another hindrance to thankfulness is selfishness. We live in a selfish society, a self-centered society. If you don't see that, I'll be glad to talk to you after church. (laughs) Or maybe you don't see it because you're selfish. (laughs) Well, that was to the point, huh? Think of themselves, me, myself, my four, forget. Selfishness, do you know when, when King Hezekiah in the Old Testament was gonna die? The Bible says he turned his face to the wall and he prayed to God. Now, King Hezekiah is not a book in the Bible, by the way. Somebody's new, you tell him turn to Hezekiah and watch him flip, flip, flip. That's a good joke. He was a very good king for the most part. But God said, You know what? You're gonna die. The preacher actually told him God's message. You know what he did? He he, he did what we should do. He went right to the Lord. And you may know the story, you may not. God gave him 15 years. And I'm paraphrasing this story. But then there was going to be judgment on his family after he was gone. and Judgment on the nation. And you know what old Hezekiah said? To the preacher, Isaiah, and to God. Then said Hezekiah unto Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken, meaning Isaiah told him this. And he said, is it not good if peace and truth be in my day? He was selfish. I'm going to be fine. I don't, I'm not going to be around the people around. I don't care. That's selfishness. Can you imagine a more selfish response than that? And sometimes people today have that, as long as I'm okay, forget everybody else. And, and what's really sad is sometimes Christians are that way. Well, I'm doing okay. What about forget everybody else? We're talking about thankfulness. Uh, when we when we focus on ourselves like Hezekiah, we will not be thankful for what we have received. Hezekiah received much from God. God blessed him. Another thing that keeps us from being thankful is an abundance of stuff. I'm going to use the word things. Did you ever read that verse in 1 John two? Verse 15. I'll just quote it to you. Love not the world, neither the things, plural, that are in the world. Notice he didn't say an iPhone, a a television screen, flat screen, as big as your living room. He said things, general, because things were different in those days that people were attracted to than what we are today. All of us have things the bad thing about things, if you move, you've got to you take those things with you, or get rid of them. That's why when we think about moving, I get sick to my stomach. <clears throat> because when you've been married 49 years, you have all kinds of stuff. Some of you have been married longer than that. What do you need all that stuff for, really, when you think about it? <clears throat> my grandpa grew up during the Depression. Literally. He would come home from school and have a tomato out of his garden for lunch. But when he got older, he had a farm, he had all these old junky cars, I mean, a bunch, and he had newspapers in brown grocery bags all loaded inside the cars. I said, Grandpa, what in the world? I'm a city kid. I said, what in the world do you do with all those papers? You know, he said to me, he goes, oh, he goes, Mark, I might need him someday. Thinking. I didn't say nothing because he's my grandpa, but I thought this is ridiculous. And I told my mom. Mom said, "Well, he grew up in a depression; didn't have anything." At any rate, we should not be focused on ourselves. Another thing that keeps us be thankful is a bunch of stuff. That they love not things, neither things that are in the world. You know what? You're not taking any of them with you. Now you could put that guy's iPhone in his pocket in the casket, but you know what? If you're not careful, one of the boys at the funeral might take it. <laughs> inside, inside information. When there's a funeral, the preacher always stays in the room with the casket. You know why? To be a witness so they don't steal stuff. No, don't tell Joe Packley I said that. <laughs> I know Joe. But that's, that's one of the reasons why we stay here to watch what's going on among other exciting things. Some exciting things do happen, but that's one of the purposes. Now, we live in a wealthy country compared to the rest of the world. If you travel the world at all, you're going to know we we are blessed and we all have so many things. And really, if I were to go to your house, I'm not. Or you go to my house, you sell this junk and all these things, especially in the basement and the garage. Because you can throw them in the basement nobody's going to see them. In the garage, you pull the door down. Nobody sees them, and I feel like saying, "What do we can do with all these things?" Now I must admit, some of them are mine. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, if we're honest with you tonight, we all have a lot of things. And if we, he didn't say, John did not say it's wrong to have things. He said, "Don't let things have you, or don't love those." things. We're supposed to love the Lord thy God with all our heart. So sometimes things, isn't it true? You watch people, I watch people. Things things have them all tied up with their time, with their money, their effort. And big deal, you can't take the boat with you when you die. Now if you have one, that's okay. What I'm saying is you can't get too tied up with that. I think we see that illustrated, a biblical illustration along about Luke chapter 18 of a rich, young ruler who came to Jesus. And I'm going to shorten, shorten. I'm not going to read the verse. I'll shorten it. He said, basically, what do I I need to do to be saved, Jesus? Jesus was so good and so smart, and he knows people's hearts. He said, you know what? Remember, he was a rich, young ruler. He said, you know what? Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you'll make it. Then follow me. Now, Jesus was not telling us to sell our stuff, so we're going to go to heaven. Because, in short order, he was going to die for the sins of mankind, so you could go to heaven because of that. But he knew the heart of the young man. He knew that he wasn't willing to give up that. His things, things were more important to him than God. So that's why he did that to him. And you know that, if you remember the story in Luke 18, the Bible says... The young man went away sorrowful, for he had much riches. So things can get in the way of us being thankful. Many people in our country today, you know, their attitude, not not everybody. They don't need God. They've got a house, they've got two or three cars. My one neighbor has five. There's a man, and a woman live there, no kids. They have five vehicles. I said to myself, what do you need five vehicles for? And they're all they're all running cars. They're not junkers on 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 the country blocks. <laughs> they're good running cars. Five cars. What do I need God for? <clears throat> Follow me? I don't know if they're saying that, but what I'm saying is I got a car, I got a house, I got a job, I got money, I got this, I got that. What do I need God for? That is a pervading philosophy. Again, it's things. And unfortunately and sadly. That's all some people have. But that'll help you not to be thankful. The natural tendency is human beings just to take credit for our blessings rather than praise and thanks to God. I've noticed recently Thanksgiving time that our world even pushes being thankful, which is a good thing. But I have yet to hear them say, be thankful to God. Being thankful is a good thing. You should do it all the time. But they don't say, who do you be thankful to? The Bible says, "Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above and descendeth from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither share of Every good gift, every perfect gift, come from Him. It's a mindset. It's a thinking. You know what? That's what ours should be. You know what? That's what Paul's was. And everything give thanks. <clears throat> That's such a convicting verse. I try to skip over. We ought to try to skip over that one real quick." <laughs> by the way, that rich young ruler didn't take his things with him when he died. And could I say, neither will you or me. We're talking about, in everything give thanks. Now, we're talking about some hindrances. Now what about some helps to us to be thankful? In order to be thankful, we may remember that Hezekiah failed to be thankful because he forgot the benefits he had received from God. There's another verse in the Bible that says this. All that we have, we have received. You read that verse? Him. So, well, I, I've had people say, well, I go to work every day and I earn my pay. Who gave you the breath so you could go to work? The psalmist said, there's been a step between me and death. We all know one step... We have people in this church. They're here on Sunday, they're dead on Monday. Or here on Wednesday, dead on Thursday. I hope that doesn't happen tomorrow because the preacher's gone. (laughs) The point is, we could all drop dead. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17 says The children of Israel refused to obey, neither were mindful of the wonders that God did among them, but hardened their necks and in their rebellion appointed captains to return to bondage. Well, why did Israel do that? They forgot it. They got it blessed them. Well, we gotta go back to where before. Really? We forget the times past. I don't think we consciously say, I'm going I'm not gonna remember it. We just we get busy, we don't think, and we forget about that. Israel had that problem so much. They were chosen of God, a chosen nation, a chosen people, blessed of God, and they forgot that. So they weren't thankful. <clears throat> We have a thing today in our world, in our country, that people think, we call it entitlement. Yeah. I hate those commercials. I hate people. Get what you're entitled to. <clears throat> you're entitled to nothing. And especially, we're, we're entitled to nothing, but hell, we're not entitled to heaven. It's a gift of God, but people have that entitled... I should get this. Get all you should. I see these commercials just like you. Get all you have entitled in coming to you. Really? And I say to myself, sometimes out loud, and who's paying for all this stuff they're entitled to? I'm looking at the people that are paying. Nothing's free. There's no free rights. So somebody's paying for all the stuff they're entitled to. So they say, but you know what? There's an attitude of entitlement. And that takes away thankfulness. I deserve this. I need this. I have, wait, wait a minute. That's not biblical. It's easy for us. It helps us to be thankful when we realize God has blessed us in the past individually and as a church and future. Aren't you glad this is not your final home? Uh, Some of you have really nice houses. nothing wrong with that. We have a lady in the church and her husband. He's passed now. They had the nicest, I used to tell them they got the nicest house. I'm not going to tell you which street it is in town. I even reminded her again, her husband's been dead. I said, you know what? I said to your husband and you, you got the nicest house on the street. But you know what? <clears throat> he didn't take his house with him. It was a gift of God, a blessing of God. And so what we have, we have received. We have to be thankful. Don't think you're entitled to it. Even God doesn't owe us anything. I despise these preachers on television who give you the attitude that God owes you something. Or you tell God what you want. I don't see that in the Bible. Where do you? We used to say facetiously, name it, claim it, slab it, grab it, slab it, scream it, redeem it. That's not biblical. That's made that up. But that's the way even Christians think. Well, God doesn't owe you Nothing. He didn't have to answer your prayer. He didn't have to do anything for us. It goes back to being thankful for what he does do. And everything give thanks. Now, certainly when we have problems and burdens, and we can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I got this problem, would you please help me? Sure, of course. And he is gracious like he was to Israel. He made promises to them. He kept them going, he provided their needs. He fed all of them folks in the wilderness and there was more than a couple hundred of them. Because he wasn't going to desert people. He's not going to desert you. Sometimes he might think he was deserted. We need to rejoice whether we feel like it or not. So we need to force ourselves, Force yourself to rejoice. Wake up and, tomorrow morning. Wake up and say, I'm alive. Consider the alternative. Although, if you're saved, you're going to heaven. Maybe that's not a good illustration. If you go to bed and wake up dead, that's good. If you're saved, you can walk to the bathroom. You can actually turn the water and get water out of that thing called a spigot. And on and on, we can go. If you start your day off being thankful, it'll help. And other people will know it. We need to force ourselves. We can't make each other's do. We have to be reminded of it and try it, and continue it. And do you know who wins when you and I are thankful? We're the biggest winner, because we have the right attitude, and a thankful attitude, which is scriptural and biblical, we just read a verse about that. It also affects others around you. It's just like being around somebody that's grumpy. Don't you love to be around grumpy people? I don't. And some people are naturally, normally, always grumpy. I'm going the other direction. Present company accepted. Grumpy. And so, they affect you, if you hang around long enough, you're you're going to be grumpy. So I don't believe that. I'm going to ask your wife or your husband. Grumpy is as grumpy does. The opposite also is true. If you're a thankful person, that affects others. Also, they, it helps them to be more thankful. I close with this illustration. In 1860, a couple years back, and I'm gonna condense this, there was a ship that was carrying hundreds of people from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to Chicago, to hear presidential campaign speech by Stephen Douglas. <clears throat> During the voyage, they didn't have the stuff we have today. Another boat hit them, and they had lifeboats for like 200 people, and there was like 800 people on the ship. And there was a young Bible college student on the ship, and he kept diving in and saving people, helping them, and saved 17 people from drowning. And so, And anyway, this young man, his last name was Spencer. And because of that, his health failed because of what he did. And he actually ended up in a wheelchair. On the 20th anniversary of that incident, a reporter interviewed him. And he said to him about the incident, to recall the incident, he said, well, there were 17 people that." You know, God helped to be saved, and he said he also had written about this incident in his life, and that people he knew 50 people that were saved because of that. But the reporter said, "What was the most standoutish? Is that a word? Standoutish? What was the most outstanding? What was the most outstanding thing that sticks out in your mind about this whole thing? You're in a wheelchair, your health failed, you saved 17 people." He said, "What's the thing that really sticks out in your mind?" He goes. Not one of them thanked me. Not one of them thanked me. Paul said, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, and 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 you. (laughs) Let's stand, please. If you're comfortable in standing, let's stand, please, as the penis comes. Perhaps God has challenged your heart about being thankful. It'll, it'll help your attitude, it really will. Thankful that you're saved, you're going to heaven. Father, speak to every heart tonight through Paul's life and experience. The people, as he wrote to the people in that church, as you would speak to our hearts tonight about this matter, help us. Lord, I don't think any of us on purpose want to be unthankful. We just get forgetful and we don't make it a point in our life to be thankful unto you. So speak to each and every heart. Maybe someone needs to make a commitment to do better. I'm sure that's what Paul encouraged these people to do. Maybe someone needs to be thankful for the Savior by receiving and accepting Him as their personal Savior. Speak to every heart, we pray in Jesus' name. Have the penis. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment. And have the penis played. Go ahead and play, Crystal, if you will. we wait just a moment.